0: This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Praise the Lord. Yeah, put your hands together for Lucia. A wonderful testimony of God's delivering power. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. I'm so grateful Apostle Theo has given me the opportunity to minister to you while he's in Cape Town. And I thought I'd start off this morning by sharing something that he shared with us briefly a week ago when myself and Pastor Johnny... And Pastor Greg was at Jim. You may or may not be aware, Pastor Theo did a dedication of Durban Christian Center's building just last week on Wednesday. And um, he told us about how Pastor Nellie, which is Pastor Fred's wife, got up behind the pulpit and she quoted 1 Chronicles chapter 22 and verse 10. And this is what it says. God speaking to King David about his son Solomon. He says, Solomon will build a house for my presence. Pastor Theo said that when he heard that verse, it began to stir in his spirit, and he was reminded again that there are certain things that cannot be replicated in your home while watching church. There are certain things, and corporate anointing is one of those. This house was built to host his presence. And when we come together and worship the Lord, how many of you can sense the presence of God here this morning, amen? And as wonderful as what church at home is, I can see some folks have come the last two weekends because Pastor Theo was here and they figured, well, it's payday, I'll take a Sunday off. I hope not. I hope not. But let's remember that because this is a place you can bring your friends to where they can experience the presence of God, amen? Pray with me this morning. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight this morning. Thank you for the time we could spend together in your word and we yield ourselves to you now to change us. The word says in Ephesians that we are washed through the word, just like water. May we be washed today. May we be stirred. May we be, may we, may we be activated this morning as your word stretches us, challenges us, and equips us. And all those who agreed said, amen. I'd like to see my show of hands. How many of you are doing RPM in a group right now? Wave at me. If you're doing, come on, give me a big shout there. Not nearly enough. Come on, let me see those hands. So what does RPM stand for? It stands for Reach People Movement. It's a curriculum that we're currently running in all of our groups. And if you've not yet got into a group, Or you still want to start one. Is it too late, Pastor Greg? It's never too late. Speak to Pastor Greg and Tracy. It stands for Reach People Movement. There are some of the best evangelists currently in the world stirring people up through this curriculum in order to get not only people back to church, but make an impact in the world for the kingdom of God. I've done the curriculum, we as a staff have done the curriculum, we're running groups. And because we're doing that, I formulated this message has been stirring in my heart since the middle of January. And so when we sat down as a management team and we deciding as to who would speak this weekend, I said, well, you know what? The Lord's been stirring something in me and, and I want to deliver it. And I believe it's in keeping with what we as a church are focusing on right now. And that's getting ourselves excited, motivated once again to shine our light for Jesus, amen? The world's getting darker, and we can shine brighter. So my message this morning is entitled, My Brother's Keeper. My Brother's Keeper. And it comes from the verse in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 9, after Cain had killed Abel, God comes to Cain. God knew Cain had killed Abel. God comes to Cain, and He says, Where is your brother Abel? And Cain responds to God, Am I my brother's keeper? In essence, Why am I responsible? I'm not responsible for anybody else. I'm responsible for me. You know, folks, and my concern is that this selfish attitude and this disconnect has also crept into the church for the most part, and I'm going to be proving that throughout Scripture, Old and New Testaments, how easy it is to become disconnected from those who are no longer part of the family. And that is my appeal in essence Today, My appeal is to each and every one of you, to those of you watching online, I'm going to be answering the question on behalf of the Lord and saying, yes, we are our brother's keeper. You see, throughout the Word of God, I believe that the Lord adequately responds to Cain's question. Am I responsible for someone else? And you can read through the Scripture, we'll see that God was in the habit of pursuing that which was lost, From Genesis all the way through to Revelation, he pursued Adam when he sinned in the garden. The Lord went after him. He pursued the nation of Israel. He pursued David after he committed adultery with Bathsheba and murdered Uriah, her husband. He pursued Elijah. When Elijah went into the cave and felt completely ill-equipped, God went after him. God pursued Samson even after he had married who God told him not to marry. God pursued Job. God pursued Jonah. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, and you'll know this full well, is Jonah chapter three and verse one. The Bible says, and the Lord came again to Jonah. Can someone say God is a God of the second chance? God came again to Jonah. God came and he pursued Peter And in Revelation, we find that that God pursued the church. But you know what happens in 80% of the time? God's pursuit of someone who is completely lost and disconnected happens through others. God doesn't just pursue them in isolation, but He uses His body. Remember Jesus when He was asked to be followed. He says, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What Jesus was actually saying is, the church has not yet been birthed, but when the church is birthed, the way I pursue those that I love and those that are lost are gonna be through my body. We're gonna take a closer look at that today. And really what triggered this message in my heart was, I was listening to a young man, that I've been listening to quite a bit recently, and he released a prophetic word, and I'm not really much into prophetic words in January. Um, I'm just not that kind of person, you know? 2020, year of plenty. That didn't work out too well, but anyway, so, so I'm not much into these catchphrases, but what he spoke and when he released this prophetic word, it, it really impacted me, and this is what he said. He said, 2022 is gonna be a year when God returns home the prodigals. And I thought, now that's a word. Now that's a word I can get older, amen? 2022 is going to be or when God returns the prodigals. And it got me to go to the book of Luke, chapter 15, because I wanted to read about the prodigal, the prodigal son. But what I noticed was, even before getting to the prodigal, Jesus actually shares three parables within this one chapter. He speaks about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the prodigal. And I began to meditate on this chapter, and I've been reading it several times over the last couple of months, and really, this is what I want to tuck in today. My focus is going to be the prodigal's return, because I believe that that's a word for us. But what what role do we play as individuals in the body of Christ? So turn with me, please, to the book of Luke chapter 15, and I'm going to be reading from verse 15. It says, tax collectors know actually from verse 1. I don't know why my verses are out of kilter here, but anyway. Okay, so Luke, Luke chapter 15, speaking about the lost sheep. The Bible says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus. One could almost say the unchurched. I wonder what sort of message Jesus was preaching if the unchurched were drawn to him. We create Sunday worship services here at Christian Family Church. We both the churched and the unchurched love to come and attend and worship the Lord. Amen? It's in keeping with what Jesus did. Tax collectors and notorious, not just normal sinners, professionals. How many of you know a professional sinner? Anybody? How many of you? No, I'm not going to ask that question. Okay, so... They made the, this made the Pharisees mad. Look at this. This made the church people mad. And the religious law, and they complained that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. In verse 3, so Jesus told them the story if a man has a hundred sheep, notice underline man there. Because many people say that these parables really have more to do with Jesus' pursuit of the lost and not the churches. But you'll notice that Jesus uses an illustration with a man, with a woman. And with a father. Very, very important. So Jesus told them a story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? What will who do? God or the man? What will the man do? The responsibility is on him. Won't he leave the 99 others? And I like the old New Living translation of this verse. He says, and go into the wilderness to search for the one that is lost until it is found. One translation says he was in the wilderness with all of the sheep but the other translation says that he went into the wilderness. I want you to notice that's important because when we look at the parable of the widow with the lost coin the coin was in the house. You can be in the house and still be lost. It says he went into the wilderness, he left the 99 and when he uh, and, he, and he pursued and looked for it until he found it. And when he found it, who found it? God found it or the, or the shepherd? The man found it, right? He will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors. Now, this speaks to the church, those people who are shepherding and looking after people. And if you're born again, you're a leader. I've said it all along. That your responsibility is to go and fetch those who are no longer part of the fellowship. Even if they've wandered into a place of loneliness and desolation. If they have lost their purpose and lost their drive, God says it is our responsibility. Both yours and yours and mine, every single one of them to go and find them, more specifically your family members that no longer find themselves in a place of fellowship. Let's move to the parable of the lost coin for the sake of time. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. It's the first time I noticed this as as I meditated on this chapter this month. Won't she light a lamp? You know, I've noticed the more in love I felt with G fallen in love, the more I fall in love with Jesus, the more sensitive I am to those who are lost around me. The more distracted I become with the what's weighing me down in life, and the further away I move from my time with the Lord and my fellowship with the Lord and my time in church, the further away I fall from there, the dimmer my light is and the less I care. Notice what this woman did. Would she have found the coin if she hadn't lit her lamp? If she wasn't on fire, would she have found what was lost even in her own home? You see, one was speaking about the wilderness, people being lost to the world. The other one is speaking about those being lost in church. They hear, but they not hear. Give the Lord a hand. Look at this. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house? And search carefully for how long? Until she finds it. And when she finds it, she'll call her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. So let me extract just a few nuggets from this parable that I believe has reference to my message today, that we are our brother's keeper. Number one. In both of these illustrations or both of these parables, their focus shifted. Both of these leaders, the man and the woman, their focus shifted from what they had to what was missing. And I believe that this should be the body of Christ's stance all the time, that we not only focus on what we've got, but that we focus on what was missing. There are hundreds of empty seats in this auditorium this morning. And it's wonderful to be gathered together with people. But you know what? There's someone not here. And that's someone you know. And this was built for people to encounter the presence of God. We have a responsibility, folks. Do you know we as the management team and the MLT of this church, we agonize. Every single week we agonize on ways of how to get people back into church again. It's what Paul spoke about in Corinthians. He says, I've been flogged, I've been beaten, I've been shipwrecked. He says, and on top of this, he says, the burden I carry continually for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will not leave me. Because we're called full time, we're burdened. And I suppose my message this morning is an appeal. And I'm saying, let's help one another. Let's do our part. Let's reach out to those that are not here this morning. Some of you are sitting here this morning. You'll know I'm like a bulldog. I've not relented. I've been messaging you week in and week out. You've got irritated with me. You've even blocked me for a session. And then you came back to church and then you invited me in again. I'm like a bulldog. I will not relent. I will not give up. Facebook is not your friend. It's your enemy. You post one scripture in 30 days and another 29 verses of how you're partying with your friends. Let me tell you, I'll be on you, and the pastors of this church will be on you like white on rice. And if you unfriend us, we'll know why. We love you too much to let you go. Bump your neighbor and say, I love you too much to let you go. So this should be the focus Of the church that we don't only focus on what we've got, but who's not yet. Because the Bible says this was Jesus' mandate. He came to seek and save that which was lost. I know every single one of you here this morning knows someone who's lost. And not just in the wilderness. They might even be in church, but they lost. They're the type of people that haven't come back to church yet. They still watch online because it's convenient and it's comfortable. You see the story of the coin and the lamp that needed to be lit in order to find what was lost in the darkness. Those on fire for the Lord always have a better chance of finding what's lost in the darkness, always. Notice I mentioned this already. The coin was still in the church. The coin was in the house, but not with her. And I'll talk a bit more about that later. How did she know the coin was hers when she found it? That's a good question. She knew because of the, the stamp on the coin, the identity on the coin. Um, Pastor Tracy loaned me this 100 Rand because I do everything as cashless. She's still got cash. But I mean, here yeah, we have a 100 Rand coin. Anybody want the, the coin, 100 Rand note? Anybody want the 100 Rand note? Okay. Do You like it, sir? Would you still like it now? But it looks terrible. You want the 100 rand now? You still want the 100 rand? It's amazing, you know? No matter how busted up and disgusted the connote becomes, it retains its value. You see, this woman knew something about people that are lost and broken and thrown away. They never, they never lose their value. That's why she went to the effort of lighting her lamp and saying, listen, let me go fetch this thing out of the dark corner because she was sweeping. And sometimes it's amazing, the coins that are fallen away from God, they, they hide in the strangest corners but it never loses its value. I can't give this to you because it's Pastor Tracy's. It's gonna be returned a bit more worse for wear, but it's Pastor Tracy's, amen? The value of this, it's never... When we lost, we never lost. When we lost, we are always redeemable. We always maintain our value. Now let's move on to the parable of The Lost Son. There's so many things I want to get into in this scripture, and I think it paints a pretty good picture for the most part of perhaps even where the church finds itself today. And I know you've read it many times, but I want you to put in a different lens this morning. So Jesus continues to say this to illustrate the point even further. What point? That we are to go after those who can't go after themselves. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. Now I want you to notice they were family. This is not a parable about someone outside the church and someone inside the church. Both of these men were sons of their father. So a man had two sons, a younger son. Youth represents immaturity. How many of you know immature Christians can do silly things sometimes? They can easily get swayed by the cares of this world. The heaviness of what's going on around them can consume them to the point, sometimes even when they blame God for what's going on, and they just don't, despite God, they don't want to come back to church. So the younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate now before you die. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Notice, even though he was mature, he still had access to all the promises of God, and God gave him everything he wanted. I mean, the father A few days later, this young son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted his money on wild living. Notice he appropriated the promises of God, and when he received them, he spent it on his own selfish desires. The Lord blessed him financially, but what happened was he bought himself a boat. So he couldn't come to church anymore on the weekends. He bought himself a house at the Vols. He bought himself a side business that demanded working on the weekends. There's no difference between how he spent his money and how many Christians today are spending theirs and not coming to church. But about that time, his money ran out. Guess what? It's eventually going to end. Pastor Theo said, one man prayed one day. and said, please, Pastor Theo, won't you pray for me? I'm just growing cold and hot. So Pastor Theo grabbed his hands and said, Father, I pray that he loses his house by the beach Loses his boat. The guy says, what do you mean? I don't want to lose those things. Pastor Theo says, you want, to, you want me to pray for what's going to get you on fire again? Let me remove the thing that's keeping you away from church. Amen. It's amazing. Most people don't have a house and don't have a boat, and you're thinking, I'm innocent. But amazing, we have a payday. You don't need a boat when you've got a payday because sometimes payday is enough of an excuse to go to the shops, to go do this, to go do that, and not congregate the way the Lord commanded. I know this is getting heavy. You'll forgive me afterwards. I'm preaching to the converted. You guys are all sitting over here. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry, forced fast, that even the pods he was feeding, that were feeding the pigs, with, looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself at home, Even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Let me tell you, sometimes if we can't reach them, the world has a way of teaching them. You can come back on God's terms, or you can come back on far more difficult terms. Please take me. On as a hired servant, he's speaking to himself. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. I love Reinhard Bonkers' Full Flame series because he paints a picture as he expounds on this verse that on a daily basis, the father would go and stand on the edge of and the perimeter of his property waiting for his son to come home. That he would do that all the time. And as I read this, this verse, his father saw him coming. I wondered to myself, But where was his brother? Why was the father the only one standing on the perimeter of his property waiting for that which was lost to come home? Where was his brother? Where was the church? Where was his brother? Where was the one that was his blood? that loved him, that shared in the inheritance with him, where was he? Why was God alone standing there? And I thought to myself, well, because the church had perhaps not yet been birthed, so maybe that was a reason for it, and possibly so, but we are the church today. The church was birthed at Pentecost, and what God is calling all of us to be is to be standing on that perimeter, but not only standing with the Father who wants to see people come back into fellowship, but perhaps even go into all the world, to go into the wilderness, to go and to look and to come out of our comfort zones and to go. Bump your neighbor and say, go. go. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would make us a church that goes. Not that sits, Lord, but a church that goes. Not a church that stands on the perimeter and observes why people are in the world and be satisfied with that, but that we would take that step, Father. Lord, you no longer need to stand alone and love them alone. You can love them through us. Lord, love them through us. Give us a burden for them, an unrelenting burden that says we won't give up. Regardless of the cost, we won't give up. Filled with love and compassion, the father ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned both against heaven and you. I'm not worthy of being called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, and kill the fatted calf. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine. Notice even when he was lost, he was still his son. For the son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but he is found. And so the party began. Now, look at what happens here, folks, in verse 25. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field working. Look at this guy. He was a dream teamer, he was a Bible college student, he was a group leader, he was in the field working. But there is a time to be in the field working, and then there is a time that your work specifically needs to reach out to those who should be working with you. Because then you would not lead to work alone. You would not need to be resentful. And listen to the engagement, what takes place when the church or when the religious brother confronts the mercy of God as to how he's treated this backslider. Listen to this. When he returned home, he heard the music and the dancing and the celebration, and he asked one of his servants, what is going on? Your brother is back. All the servants said, your brother is back. He was told, your father's killed a fatted calf. We're celebrating because he's returned safely back to church. The other brother was angry and wouldn't go in. Look, Listen to this, folks. His father came out and begged him. He begged him to love his brother. He says, can you not rejoice even though you did not contribute to bringing him back? Can you not at least share in the celebration? Listen to the brother's response. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you. I've worked in church. I've done all these things for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours what he should have said is yet when this brother of mine can you see how disconnected those who were present had become with those who were lost it's a serious state that the church possibly finds itself in he says yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes you celebrate by killing the fatted calf his father said to him look dear son you have always stayed by me and everything i have is yours we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother the father has to remind the one who was too busy to go and find the one that was lost that he is still your brother and he is my son. There will never come a time where they will be my son in isolation from you. Are you receiving this, family? Are you seeing the responsibility that the Lord places on us as leaders? And I'm asking you, I'm appealing to you, I'm imploring you, I'm begging you. Paul said this in Corinthians. He says, besides those things, There is a daily in inescapable pressure of my concern for the churches. We want you to join with us, and that's why you receive cards tonight, and I'll get to that in a moment. But there's a few more things that I just want to share with you as we push through in Luke 14, verses 22. The Bible says, "The servant reported back, Master, I did what was commanded, and there is still room." Can someone say, "There is still room"? Verses 23 and 24, the master said, then go to the country roads. Whoever you find, drag them in. I want my house full. Drag them in. I want my house full. You received a card when you came in this morning. What I'm gonna ask you to do is I want you to take that card out And I want you to write the names of three people that you know has not either one come back to church at all since COVID. It can also include those that you're currently witnessing to that have never been to church before. But remember the focus over here is the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. I want you to write the list. I want you to list at least three names if you can and write it on that card. Did you receive your cards? Wave at me if you received your card. If you didn't, keep your hand raised and we'll make sure we get that to you. I hope you've got a pen. I'm gonna give you a moment, okay? I want you to write three names on that card. And in a moment, when that is done, in a moment, the pastors are gonna come and stand in the front here. I'm applying a spiritual law. We're going to be bringing it before God, okay? We're going to lay this at the foot of the cross, so to speak. We're going to pray for them, and then we're going to pray for ourselves in a moment. That's what's going to happen. So please write your names on the cards. Now, we're going to pray once everybody's come up here. We only have a few moments to do this, because I do not want you, I do not want to end this service late. But what I would like to do is just read a scripture. Think about this for a moment because this is the prayer that we're gonna pray in 2 Corinthians chapter one, verses three. This is what the Bible says. He is the God of endless comfort. He always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering so that we can come alongside those who are in painful trial. You see, the things you've been through have equipped you to help people go through those same things. We can bring then the same comfort that God has poured out upon us, if troubles weigh us down, that just means that we will receive even more comfort to pass on to those for your deliverance. For the comfort pouring into us empowers us to bring comfort to you. And listen to this verse that I stumbled upon about a month ago, and it has not Left me. It has been stirring in my heart ever since. Job chapter 6, verse 14 in the message translation, and I will close with this reads as follows When desperate people give up on God Almighty, their friends at least should stick with them. Their friends at least should stick with them. You said to me, Pastor a but what happens if it compromises the friendship? I don't want to be too pushy. Let me tell you, friends, go read the book of Ezekiel. The Lord says, if you know that you ought to be a watchman and call them out and don't do it, their blood I will require from your hands. We have a responsibility. We are the church. So right now, Gid's is going to lead us in a praise song. I'm going to ask you, please. Don't keep the card with you. You know who those names are. You wrote them down. I want you, we're gonna be praying over these cards the next week and months to come. And we're gonna trust God to bring them back into fellowship, just like the prodigal son. So if you've got written your names down, I want you to stand doing this praise song. Come down quickly. Place the names in the offering receptacle and then we're gonna pray. Thank you, kids. Can you lead us in praise? Okay, while you're coming forward, I'm gonna ask you to pray in the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm gonna pray not only for those people that we're trusting God to bring back and for those who are lost, but for ourselves. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 4. This is an, an appeal that he makes as an apostle to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says this, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Then he goes on to say, pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about Christ's mysterious plans and then fourthly in verse 4 he says pray that I proclaim this message as clearly as I should so Paul says to the church when we pray number one we pray for opportunities and number two that we pray for boldness in order to proclaim that how many of you are ready to pray that prayer over your life right now so why are you why are you praying the Holy Ghost I want to pray for all of you right now. And for those of you watching online, now for those of you online, remember if you're gonna bring someone back, you've got to come back yourself. It's like a double-edged sword. It's like a double-edged sword, amen. Just look around for a second, those are streaming in the cameras on the center, and say, We miss you. Say it louder, we miss you. We want you here. Okay, so let's pray together. Just pray gently in the Holy Ghost. Father, I pray for each and every person within the sound of my voice, those watching online, your word was clear and crisp this morning, Lord God, concerning the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the prodigal son. Father, you're calling us to be more active and more involved in bringing people back to the sanctuary, the place where your presence can be felt, Lord. And we ask in the name of Jesus that you would create more opportunities for us. That's our first prayer request, Lord God, in keeping with Colossians 4, create more opportunities for us. And secondly, Lord God, that you would grant us the boldness Let familiarity not be the thing that prevents us from stretching and challenging our friends and saying it's time to come home. Let the fear of losing the friendship perhaps not be the thing that restricts us and restrains us from confrontation, loving confrontation, and saying it's time to come home. And as we pray right now, Lord, we begin, we ask that you begin a stirring work. Every card and every name represented on these cards here this morning, we speak them out into the heavenlies, and we declare in the name of Jesus that the time is up. We bind every devil in hell, every deceiving spirit, every mind binding spirit, every spirit of complacency and lack in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And as a church, we take up arms this morning and we declare that we are ready to bring them home in the name of Jesus. And all those who agreed said, Amen and Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, you know who those three people are that you wrote down? Remember, let them be on the forefront. Create a screensaver on your phone, on your desktop. Let those names be there. Trust God for opportunity and for boldness. We've received it, amen? That's what faith does. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You might be here for the very first time this morning and saying, Pastor Andre, this man is crazy. You're right. You're right. We're not normal. But if you are here this morning and you are not in right standing with the Lord, you know who you are. Your heart's beating in your chest. You know if Jesus walked through those doors right now that you and him would not be on great terms. Well, the good news is that Jesus died for you to remove the very thing that is preventing you from being close to him. I want the privilege of praying for you this morning. So I'm gonna count to three. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to go to where you are. I just want you to, at the count of three, raise your hand and say, Pastor Andre, I want to come back. I'm that prodigal. I'm the lost coin. I'm the lost coin. This morning, I've seen the light. Or I'm that sheep that was in the wilderness. I've lost my direction. I've lost my purpose. I really don't know why I'm here. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand at the count of three. One, two, three. Raise your hand in the air right now. High in the air. God bless you. Keep your hand raised. I see that hand, sir. Keep your hand raised. Keep those hands raised. Hands going up all over the auditorium. Even if you are watching online and your hand is raised, we'll tell you exactly what your next steps are in a moment. Let's pray this prayer together, folks, especially those of you that have your hand raised. Let's say this together. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me and cleanse me of all of my sin. This morning, I've come to my senses. I'm returning to you, my Father. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for welcoming me back. I re-surrender my life to you, in the name of Jesus, amen.